Hi and welcome to today's episode of The Drowning Pastor. My name is Adrian Tabone and I'm so glad that you have joined me for this week's edition. Today I want to speak to the first chapter of my book, The Drowning Pastor. Today we will look at one of the lies we as pastors, and to be honest, most of us have bought into from the devil. And the lie is this, that I am not good enough. I want to talk into why it is so damaging and how it affected my life and my ministry in the early days, especially as I dealt with that issue of am I actually good enough to do this. I'll be sharing some in-depth stuff, some of the struggles that I had, the hardships, but I'll also talk about the the, the uh, success and the victory that Christ gave me during that time of, of struggle and battle. And my prayer is today it will be an encouragement for you as well. If you're wrestling with whether or not you're good enough, today is going to be one of those days where you're going to see not only you're good enough, but you're only good enough because of the one that fuels your power, your strength, and, and really the ministry that you have. But firstly, let's have a look at my up-and-coming book, that has just been released, sorry, my book that's just been released, The Drowning Pastor. Well, finally, my book is released and it's been fantastic. The support and response that I've had from people, I'm excited by this book. I'm excited by what God's going to do in and through it. It's a book that really goes into detail of the struggle and the journey that I've had in ministry in the 15 years that I've been in ministry and just some of the things that God's establishing in me now that I can move forward knowing that he's, he's very much a big part of the ministry that I have ahead. Uh, in the book, I cover things like uh, statements that we've all been dealing with, one that we'll talk about today, that you are not good enough. And I'll share about how I wrestled with that for such a long time. Another thing that I wrestled with, it's, it's, it's all my fault that things are going bad. Um, I'm sure we've all experienced that where... Things aren't good enough. Uh, sorry, things aren't going well, so therefore it's all my fault. Um, also, the, the stress of having to do more because you're always trying to succeed and always trying to do the best that you can because you're trying to prove to people that you can do this. And I know that's something that I wrestled with a lot. I deal also in another chapter of the moment that God changed everything for me when I was a complete wreck and a complete mess God was able to do a mighty work in me that brought a transition, a change in my life and ministry, and uh, and just exciting stuff that was to come from that. Um, and and really, one of the key chapters to this book is chapter five, which is business is not busyness. Sorry, is not fruitfulness. And there, I tap into this whole idea, and we'll we'll have a podcast on this down the track. But this whole idea of of we just got to be busy. We've got to be busy because the more busy we are the more fruit that God's going to bear from it. And God exposed me to the lie of that. And uh, and I'll share in my book why I believe that is a lie. Uh, coming from my perspective and, and how God changed my mind and my thinking towards that. Uh, but this book has just been a tremendous blessing for me. Uh, it was a challenge to write it because it, it took me back to some pretty dark places. But just excited to see what God is doing in and through it. And I want to encourage you, the book is available. So depending on what country you're from, if you're in America, Amazon.com. If you're in Australia, it's Amazon.com.au. You just type in uh, type in my name and the book will come up, The Drowning Pastor. And uh, really, if you can, um, leave a review once you've read the book. I really love your feedback. And um, it's just, it's a book that I'm super proud of. 
because it's a book that it, it really does represent what Christ has done in my life. And it's not about me per se and personally, as in the things that I've done. It's actually the things that God has done in me that I share in this book that I would love for you to have a read of. So the book is available to be purchased through Amazon. It's only in digital at the moment. Down the track, I'm hoping to be able to get it in hard copy. But please take the time to to purchase the book, read it, and give me back your feedback. I'd love to hear from you if if God has spoken to your heart through the book. Um, But now, let's go back to the podcast. Welcome back. And I want to dig into this question, or, or, or perhaps this lie is probably the best way to describe it. Has there ever been a moment in your ministry where you've thought to yourself, man, I'm just not good enough for this. I'm not good enough to do this ministry. I'm not good enough to 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 get success out of this particular ministry. You know, I call it a lie because I believe that it is. Because it's based on the premise that we have the capacity and the ability to succeed in ministry. But the truth is, not one person can stand before God and say, you know what, God, I don't need you to have a successful ministry I'll, I'll do this without your strength, without your help. None of us would even dare say that before God. But yet, how often do we live as if that is actually the case? We function in ministry as if we don't actually need God, although we would never say it. And we would push ourselves to the absolute limits because we believe that that's what we need to do if we're going to be successful. But the problem is, is down the track, success doesn't come. And when it doesn't come, all of a sudden the doubts begin to kick in place. This is very much what happened in my life. You see, I grew up as someone who didn't really have a lot of self-confidence. I grew up someone who experienced some really um, embarrassing moments in my life, humiliating. And I, I was at a stage in my life, even as a young child in school, where I just felt like I was not good enough. I felt like trash. I felt like rubbish. So once I was getting into high school and recognized that I can't allow these things to control my life anymore, this aspect of I feel worthless, I had to prove to everyone that I was actually worthwhile. And hence, when I got to high school, I became very rebellious. I turned all that fear that I had as a child to rebellion. It was fuel for my anger. So therefore, I made a commitment when I came into high school No more am I going to let people trash me. I'm going to prove to everyone that I'm worthy. So I ended up doing things growing up that I regret now. Some of those things was very abusive towards teachers. I had rebelled against authority because I wanted my peers, my friends to accept me. Accept me and, and, and not just accept me, but to make me feel like I'm worthwhile. That I'm worthwhile. I wanted people to look at me and have not... Thoughts of, boy, this, this young kid is worthless. But, oh man, this, this, this kid, he's got guts. You know, he's got courage. So I became extremely rebellious. But as you do, as you grow older, you tend to mature a little bit. Although I matured probably a little bit later than, than most. One of the things that came a reality to me was what I, I, I had no idea that my past anxieties and fears and and sense of worthlessness was actually 
determining who I was as a, as a person as I was growing up to be the man that I am today. You see, what I didn't realise was underlying my fears of I'm not good enough was traced all the way back to my experiences when I was a child. When I was publicly humiliated in front of the whole school because there were certain elements of how I looked that were embarrassing. I remember many times during my lunch break having whole schools, uh, the whole school coming to where I am pointing and laughing at me. Those images you don't just get out of your head. They're there permanently. And those things define who you are as a person. As I got to high school and I had an experience of that in high school as well where I was betrayed by a friend of mine through another embarrassing moment. That was really the defining point of my life where I said no more. I'm not going to be treated like rubbish anymore. I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to take the world on. And I and that's obviously the beginning journey of me becoming rebellious. But even in that rebellion, all I was doing was suppressing my childhood and the and the experiences that I had. I never dealt with them. I never confronted them. And I carried them very much into my beginning role of ministry. You see, when I entered into my first role as a pastor, I came to a church that was going through massive struggles. They had conflicts going left, right and centre. A pastor who was burning out, uh, who had burnt out, to be honest. And a church full of people that were adamant they knew what was best for the overall church. And here I was, new in ministry, leaving an interim position where I was under the leadership of two um, incredible men of God. (laughs) They themselves did not want me to take on this first role. But you see, when someone says to me, I don't think you're good enough to do it, and that's not what they said, but that was what I was hearing. That was where the line in the sand came back into playing, and it's like, no, I'm doing this. I'm going to do this and because this is what God has me to do. So I entered into that position with no experience, no idea what I was doing. Um, although I was convinced in my mind how I needed to approach things, I had no idea of the conflicts that I was about to experience. You see, I came to learn early in ministry that when people feel like they're threatened, you know, they will do whatever it takes to hold on to their power. And as a young pastor, I was oblivious to all of that. Thankfully, I know that a lot more now, and I'm a lot more uh, in tune with what's happening around me. But back then, I I was just going blindly into all of this because I I was determined that I was going to do this. I can do this. So I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. Now, my first role as pastor was actually nine months as an acting pastor. Because the church was not in a hurry to appoint someone unless they were 100% convinced that that man was the man that was going to lead that church. So I actually took on an acting pastor role for nine months. At the same time, I was working full-time for Ford Motor Company, working anywhere between really 40 to 60 hours a week, depending on overtime. At the same time, I was also doing at least 20 hours a week at the church, traveling 40 minutes to and fro each time. I was doing seven days a week without any breaks, without any rest. And by the end of the nine months, it became very clear to me that I was done. 
and this was only nine months, and I wasn't even the pastor yet. <laughs> I realised that, boy, oh boy, I don't, I don't think I can do this. So that childhood was coming back out of me again. I can't do this. This is beyond anything that I can do. Now, mind you, I was a firm believer in God. I trusted in Christ. He was my saviour. He was my Lord. But I was learning on the spot. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no way of knowing if what I was doing was right or what I was doing was wrong. All I knew was that I had to keep pushing and I had to keep pushing. I had to do it because I had to prove myself to people. Well, as time went on, that first roll, uh, nine months into it, my body started to deteriorate. My health started to drop. It was affecting my work at Ford and it was affecting my ministry at church. And I made a decision at that point that, look, if the church didn't know by then whether I was going to be their full-time pastor, then I'm probably not the right person for the job. And that was fine. I was actually quite content to go back to where I was prior to that ministry. But I let the pulpit committee know and just in honesty of my heart that I just can't keep doing this. So I'm happy to still candidate, but I'm not I'm not going to be doing this every week. You know, I can come from time to time, but I, I need a break. I need some time off. Well, it overall it went well. It was probably one or two that had had an issue. Um but pretty much within a week, the church had accepted me as their senior pastor. Um, and I took on, interestingly enough, a part-time position because the church could not afford to put me on full-time. But at the same time, I was I was burnt out with working at Ford and working at the church. I made a decision that I was going to quit working at Ford and basically take on the role, even though it was part-time, but more permanently, the role as senior pastor of the the church that I ended up taking up my first church. Now, that was great and that was wonderful. Um, But of course, with that comes the pressure now of finances and making ends meet. And we were pretty blessed that we had someone who purchased a home specifically for us, not to have, but that we could rent in it pretty cheaply. That was a real blessing for us because that helped us tremendously. But at the same time, there was just stresses and strain and pressure, and it was all mounting up week after week, still dealing with conflict, still dealing with issues, dealing with financial problems, you know, family struggles. My wife was working, which was a blessing for us. But even then, we had three children, and and life was becoming a real, real challenge. But you see, I was convinced that I could do this. And I pushed, and I pushed, and I pushed. Even even though I was taking on the role as a full-time and being paid as a part-time, I was not going to go back to work and do both. That was just I was burnt by that, and it was just too hard for me to do that. So I pushed, and I pushed. Uh, I did not take our first holidays until probably four years into my first ministry. And even then, I think we had a week off. And no, actually, correction, let me correct that. We had three weeks off. The first week, I just did not want to be next to anybody. We went on a family holiday and my wife was so upset at me because I just did not want to talk to anybody. I just needed to be alone. I needed to, I just needed to, I was like in detox. But after a week, my wife said to me, hey, listen, if you don't come and communicate with us, all right, there's going to be some ramifications. Now, she wasn't going to leave, but what she was going to do was, was, you know, pull me back in line, and I needed it because 
I, I was, again, blind in all of this. I didn't know what was right and what was wrong. All I knew was people said, you just got to push and you got to push and you got to push. And at the same time, that inner child of me is going, you have to do this because you can't be seen as someone who's inferior. You can't be seen as someone who can't do these things. But deep down, I was really struggling with that because honestly, the more in min- more time I was in ministry, the more I began to realize, boy, oh boy, this is this stuff's beyond anything that I've ever experienced or even have any idea of knowing how to deal with. So the time came, six years, six and a half years into my first ministry, the finances had pretty much depleted at church. They made a decision that they could no longer pay me and suggested that I need to go back to work um, and do both as I did prior. And that was not going to be an option for me. I knew that there was no way I could handle that. I think at that time I didn't realize the extremity of my depression. Um, By this stage, I was burnt out. Not burning out, I was burnt out. I was burnt out, I think, within the first nine months. But I pushed and I pushed and I pushed. But what was driving me was the fear that I I wasn't good enough, that I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. Well, after some time of prayer, we made a transition and we moved to a different state. And I took on... Actually, a worship leading role in a church that I'm currently in now as the senior pastor. Um, we had an American missionary at the time who I was really looking forward to working with. Um, it was it was a strange feeling because I knew that somewhere down the track that I would take on a senior pastor role in the church, but I was thinking maybe three, four, five years down the track. Um, but six months of us moving into there. Uh, our pastor contacted me and said, look, we're, we're heading back to America and I want you to consider about praying about taking on the role. Now, thankfully, I had about probably six months off by this stage and had a bit of time to recover from ministry. And by the time I went back into pastoring again, it was probably about a year before um, they obviously left and, and I took on the role as senior pastor. But again, I took it on with this mindset that I can do this. I can do this. Well, obviously, with every church ministry that you have, there's there's a period of a honeymoon period, and then the reality kicks in. And I, I had a, a, a really great experience. The transition really was was very smooth uh, from from the previous pastor to myself. Um, we still keep in regular contact and and uh, love he and his family dearly. They're very close to my heart. Um, but yeah, it was a great transition and, and things were going relatively well. But there was just little little things happening in, in the background that I wasn't experienced in. And I had to deal with a lot of issues again and, and confrontations and criticisms. And again, this whole mindset of, boy, oh boy, I came into this thinking I can do this, but I, I just don't think I can. And yet again, the weight of expectation, the weight of fear, the weight of anxiety, the weight of struggle. Um, from a paying position, it was it was really the first paid full time paid position, so that was that was a blessing. But in in an area where expenses are quite uh, quite high, it's a very high expensive area. You know, we, we still barely made ends meet from week to week, and the fear of finances again kicked in, and and all the struggles that went along with it. But then it all came to a front in 2017, and I've shared this before, where 
I, I had nothing left with you're not good enough. I, I couldn't go any further with that because honestly, I began to believe it. I began to believe that things were just going pear-shaped because of me. Things weren't happening. The church wasn't growing. There was constant conflict. People were struggling. And I had nothing to give them. I had nothing that I could give them. I honestly believed that I was not good enough and I wanted to quit. I wanted to pull the pin. I couldn't do it anymore. And I was prolonging and prolonging. I was debating and arguing through it all. But it came to the point where my health was just deteriorating yet again. And emotionally and mentally, I was just exhausted. <laughs> and then I got a phone call. Oh, not a phone call. A message from uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church in Rockhampton. Um, Pastor Bax and his son Ben got in touch with me about the prospect of coming and speaking and leading their worship service in the morning and speaking on one of their evening services. Now, I have to say that this was like this was like the ultimate honour for me because I have such a high regard for my brothers and sisters there at Lighthouse Baptist Church. They, they are just an amazing group of people uh, led by an amazing leadership team. And here I was, stumbling and fumbling my way in ministry, um, thinking to myself, man, I want to do this more than anything, but I, I just don't think I can. I just don't think I can. I have too much respect for them to do this. But cutting a long story short, I ended up taking that role on, uh, just that one opportunity. My wife really encouraged me to go, just to get some time alone and to, to pray and to seek from the Lord, you know, what my next steps were. And I approached my time there, as I said, with the mindset of, I can't do this anymore. I'm quitting because I'm not good enough. That's really what was my mindset. I'm going to quit after this um, because I'm just I'm just not good enough. I can't do this. I'm not the man for the job. Well, when I left Rockhampton, not only did I agree with the fact that I was not good enough, the Lord actually helped me to agree that I wasn't good enough. Because really, I was functioning out of my own strength and my own wisdom. My relationship with the Lord was non-existent because I was too busy trying to push myself to the absolute limits. I was trying to be creative. I was trying to do all sorts of things. But it just wasn't happening. And the, the passage in Revelation that really touched my heart and, and spoke volumes in my life is it's a passage that I've shared before. But let me just reiterate again. This is Jesus talking to the church in uh in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 he says I know your works your labor your patience and that you cannot bear those who were evil and you have tested those who say that they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake so in other words you've done everything that I've needed you to do you've pushed the boundaries you've done everything but he says I've got this one thing against you as you've left your first love you left your first love. You see, the truth is, I can say without any shadow of a doubt, yes, it is true that I am not good enough. And it's fair to say that it is true that you're not good enough. But it is also true that the only reason that we can do anything in ministry that is going to bring glory and honor to God's name is because we love Jesus Christ. 
Because when we love Jesus Christ, he is the one that empowers and fuels the ministry that we have. Many years in ministry that I had spent was done in my own strength. And it was so obvious that that was the case in the fact that I had really hardly limited time in my walk with the Lord. I didn't really spend much time with him. I didn't really pray for my for the people that God had placed under my authority or my, my leadership. I had very limited quiet time because I was just too exhausted mentally to sit down and try and take in the word of God. I was preparing sermons each week and I, I just had nothing that I could give in that area. The Lord showed me that it is true that I am not good enough. But he also showed me that the only reason why I can do what I do and I can do it with the joy and the knowledge of knowing, even in my limited capacity, that God can bring about good is because I've learnt to love Christ. You see, it's from that moment on, that night when I realized that I was not loving Jesus, I was doing ministry, but not putting him first. Once I realized that, and I made the transition, and I began to make changes in the way that I did things, I approached our leadership team, and I said to them, I can't do all this. I'm not gifted in all these areas. We need to sit down and we need to work a plan. Either I am not the right, not the right man for the job, or maybe I am the right man for the job, but I need to focus on the areas where God has gifted me. And I need others to take up the slack on the areas that I'm not gifted in. And we made that decision. And to be truthfully honest, these last three years have been still a struggle and a battle. But we have seen God work in our church in such a powerful way. We have seen lives changed and impacted. And it really has come because God has changed and impacted my life. That's the key of leadership. We, we set the standard and we set the example with leadership. But our leadership is not about the things that we do alone. It's about the things that God does in and through us. But we have to be in a position where we love Jesus enough for him to work. So when we are faced with this lie from the devil, when he says to you, you are not good enough, you can say with confidence, devil, you know what? You're right. You are right. I am not good enough in my own strength. But I can tell you now, in, in my love for Christ, I know that he is good enough. And he will do in me exceedingly above and beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. And he does that on a regular basis. And he will do that in your life. It's okay to accept that we are not good enough. But it's not okay to continue to persevere in that without loving Christ. Because there's no way of overcoming that lie um, that we are not good enough because of our own inabilities. We can overcome that with the truth that, okay, we may not be good enough, but this is not about whether we're good enough. This is about how much we love Christ. Because when we love Christ, he takes care of the rest. He takes care of the rest. And you can rest in him and you can continue in ministry without the weight of expectation, without the fear of failure, knowing that God will do exceedingly above and beyond anything that you could have imagined. And it all comes down to loving him. So the key to that lie that I am not good enough because of my own inabilities 
can be put to bed in the knowledge of knowing that even though it's true that we are not good enough to do the things that God wants us to do on our own, God will do those things that we cannot do in and through us when we love him. And that is the key to that is the key to a successful ministry. It's sitting back and letting God work rather than you working and letting God take the back seat. That is not success. That will never work. It will never last long term. But I can tell you now, when Christ is the priority and when you personally are walking with him and spending time with him and you make the necessary changes you need to make to make sure that that is happening, boy, oh boy, you're going to see God do great and mighty things. And it won't be because of you. It'll be completely because of God. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I want to encourage you to subscribe so you can be up to date with all the new podcasts that we put on from time to time. Please don't forget you can contact me through Facebook. The Drowning Pastor page is uh, there. You can contact me through there. Uh, Really looking forward to hearing back from you. Don't forget about the book as well. Um, The Drowning Pastor available on Amazon. Um, I want to encourage you that you are not alone in ministry. You are not alone in your struggle with this fear of I'm not good enough. Because as I said, most of us are not good enough. But isn't it wonderful that we serve a God who is good enough and he is able to do more than we could ever, ever comprehend. God bless everyone and have a wonderful day.